You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's alive! You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam! Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch! There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Cinematic leave. Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Scott, were you rushing or were you dragging? (laughs) Tell me you know the difference. (laughs) I'm upset. And Glenn Greening. The key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. You believe that, right? Say it. God, he's a... <laughs> uh, you're, not, you're not playing with I me. <laughs> nah, sorry, mate. I t- <clears throat> really, I just watched the movie, so you think I would have been onto that, but I do should, apologize. Should have been onto that. Not quite my tempo. Gentlemen. <clears throat> ah, superb. Gentlemen, how are we? Good. Really good. It's been Father's Day, so everyone will hear this like six weeks after mm. that date. Yes. So it's been a very chill day. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, even though mm. it's going to be a fair way on from when you listen to this. Yeah. So for past Father's Day, happy Father's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Glenn, you're a little under the weather. A bit sick, yes. <clears throat> under the weather? Dude's been buried by the weather. <laughs> yes, he's, uh, he's got the. He's actually got the, the, uh, the dulcet tones now. Mm. He's a much deeper voice. Yes, you guys are gravelly over the moon while I'm under the weather. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, very good, very good. All right, this <laughs> week we are reviewing the movie Whiplash, <clears throat> a 2014 psychological film. Now, which is what Wikipedia says. I would have thought it's a music or psychological drama. Music film, maybe a drama. Just drama. It's all drama. It was directed by Damien Chazelle. Stars Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, co-stars Paul Reiser and Melissa Beniste. Had a budget of $3.3 million, made $49 million. Um, has an average rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 8.6 out of 10 with a 94% approval rating, 89 out of 100 with a user score of 8.8 out of 10 on Metacritic and IMDb 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Um, obviously, as you can tell by that, critics generally love this film with Metacritic collecting... Lists published by major film critics and publications uh, noted more than 57 critics having it in their top 10 lists for 2014, with five having it at number one. That's such a critic thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Peter De Bruges, in his review for Variety, said that the film demolishes the cliche of a musical prodigy genre, investing the traditional polite stages and rehearsal studios of a top-notch conservatory with all the psychological intensity of a battlefield or sports arena. Uh, It received top audience and grand jury awards in the US dramatic competition at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival, Uh, was nominated for the Adapted Screenplay um, at the Academy Awards, Uh, though this was a shock to Damien Chazelle who had looked to compete in the Best Screenplay. Uh, It was ruled as because they had done a short film the previous year of the same name, that it should be viewed as adapted. 
Uh, at the 87th Academy Awards, J.K. Simmons won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Uh, Tom Cross won for Best Film Editing, and they also won for Best Sound Mixing. Interestingly, it was also nominated for a Grammy in the 2016 Grammy Awards for Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media. Uh, all right. Uh, so I chose The Leaper, which was Terry Taylor. Uh, now, I do love a casting director, and, and thankfully <laughs> I wasn't challenged on it. But the reason why is that they do give so many options, and ultimately that's what yep. you want to try and do for each other. I mean, look, sometimes you want to try and steer them like a, a leak to get a movie you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes it's just nice to throw out as much as you possibly can and just see where it falls. So Yeah, the um, pro-heart version of, uh, yeah. of like the – and I, I, was, I was pretty confident that we'd probably end up with this movie, um, but she had done a variety of other really good movies, which I'd sort of hoped we might have got to as well. Glenn, why did you choose Whiplash? Because I've been meaning to watch it <clears throat> for quite a while. Um, uh, this director went on to do La La Land, which is one of my favourite movies. Um, so after I saw that, I did look up what else he'd done, and yeah, this one came up, and I've been... I've been meaning to watch it for a while and I just keep getting a no from my wife every time I flick past it. And um, (laughs) so it was a good excuse to put it on. Yeah. Very good. Because I know, I think I rated it on Letterboxd and you actually messaged me and said, oh, I've really wanted to see that film. What did you think? And I can't remember if I told you. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, What were our, obviously, Michael, you hadn't seen this? No, I had not seen this at all. What were your initial thoughts? It's like, yeah. Didn't really want to. Didn't hadn't really planned to see this. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd seen a trailer and it's gone. That is horrendous. <laughs> um, I saw a scene from it. It's like, oh my god. Like, and I think at the time I thought, I'm not watching that film. Then you guys changed that again. I had seen this and I'd seen it probably. Oh, I don't know, five to six months ago, I reckon. Um, and I probably hadn't intended to watch it again. So. Um, as I wrote a lot in my uh, in my notes, both prior to and and certainly during this was I used the word brutal a lot, uh, which is why it wasn't probably in my wheelhouse to watch again. But um, I've now watched it three times, so I watched it twice since we selected it. Oh, uh, wow! Mm, so I look forward to discussing my thoughts on that. All right, without further ado, Michael, play the trailer. This place is nice. I really like the music that they play. Bob Ellis on the drums. <laughs> I'm part of Schaefer's top jazz orchestra. It's the best music school in the country. The key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. Have fun. Five, six, and. I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and. Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? You are a worthless pansy ass who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. So how's it going with the studio band? Good. Yeah, I think he likes me more now. I push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. I want to be one of the greats. And because I'm doing that, it's going to take up more of my time. And this is why I don't think that we should be together. 
I would never let him put my son through hell. Why would you let him get away with what he did to you? There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) wow Uh, all right yeah good trailer not too bad because it does it it gets you into thinking oh man this is like a bit of a positive movie then whack (laughs) smashes you over here with a chair well actually probably throws you you get thrown a chair at you Mm -hmm. so Mm. and look the the, and the music sounds good like that's uh For all, you know, whatever this movie's about, the music is like, you know, it does sound really well done. It was, yeah. hmm. All right, Michael. uh, No, sorry, Glenn, you chose this movie. uh, So you'll get to do the synopsis. As always, people, there will be spoilers. So if you have not seen this movie and you don't want it spoiled for you, please pause the pod, go and watch the movie. It's about an hour and 47 minutes. That's a pretty easy watch. Uh, And come back to our (laughs) scintillating review. (laughs) I love that you said it's an easy watch. Well, it's an easy watch time wise. It's, it's a watch. It's a watch. It's a watch. It's a watch. An hour forty-seven. It's it's um, it's it's an anxious, stressful watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think in so some ways it almost makes promising young woman uh, look like a comedy. Uh, <laughs> at different times, but, um, all right, mate. It's not. It's no. That's that's for you. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Glenn, over to you. Coming now, Whiplash. Uh, similar um, <laughs> vibe, like similar. You know. For me, anyway, it was like good film, but not enjoyable, really. Um, and parts yeah. were enjoyable. Anyway, <clears throat> over to you for the synopsis, Glenn. Uh, Andrew Neiman is a first year student and jazz drummer at the prestigious Schaefer Conservatory in New York City. Uh, hoping one day to leave a legacy like that of his childhood idol, jazz drummer Buddy Rich. Terence Fletcher, the conductor of the Schaefer Conservatory studio band, recruits him to play in the studio ensemble as an alternate for core drummer Carl Tanner. Andrew quickly discovers that Fletcher is relentlessly strict, emotionally manipulative, and abusive to his students. In one instance, he throws a chair at Andrew for failing to keep tempo during the ensemble's, ensemble's rehearsal of uh, Whiplash. <clears throat> uh, then he slaps and berates him when trying to teach him to keep pace. <clears throat> Determined to impress Fletcher, Andrew intensifies his drum pra- practicing, oftentimes literally until the blisters on his hands bleed. After their first set at a jazz competition, Andrew misplaces Tanner's sheet music. Um, And since Tanner cannot play without the sheets, Andrew replaces him for the next set and does it from memory. After a successful performance of Whiplash, Fletcher promotes Andrew to the core drummer. However, Andrew is taken aback when Fletcher abruptly gives the position to Ryan Connolly, a drummer from a lower-level ensemble within Schaefer. Uh, Because of his single-mindedness towards music, Andrew's relationship with his family deteriorates and he breaks up with his girlfriend, Nicole, to focus on his ambitions, citing that she will come to resent him for not making time for her. Wow. <clears throat> bit harsh, I thought. So, we'll just, yeah. yeah, it was a bit harsh. <laughs> I mean, that skipped over a lot of very, like, very good parts. Well, not good parts, but parts. This, parts. skipped over this uh, yep. movie quite quickly. Uh, um, yes. Well, I mean, I, the... I don't know if you, we kind of we talk about this now, but the like we we get introduced to this potential love interest, 
which he's been kind of building up to a while. And then we see it's over. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah she- it's like, eh, and it's been a month. It's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, like, and you named her as a co-star earlier. It's like, man, she's barely even an extra in this film. Well, that's the thing. There really mm. is. There really, really start again. There really is only three main people in this movie, and that's Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, and Paul Reiser. I think even Paul Reiser's a stretch. Like well, he's there. I mean, he's, he's in quite supporting. a few scenes, but yeah, he's. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's it's really it is really just based around the two main characters, uh, obviously Andrew and and Terence, but. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it, I like the way it opened. You know, we see him practicing, and you know, we see Terence come in, and he goes, "Oh," and he goes, "You know who I am." You know, why'd you stop? You know, uh, he goes, "Oh, do you know who I am?" Yes. He goes, oh, "Okay." He goes, "Why'd you stop?" Then he just starts playing again, and you go, "Oh, you know," like he wants to hear him, and then just bang. Yes, <laughs> I, I didn't ask you to start playing again. I asked you to why'd you do that, and then you started going off like some bloody wound up monkey, and, and you go, "Oh shit, okay." Um, and then I guess, which is, yeah, which is get, a, he's obviously a fair has to go and see this. This he's got to be part of this guy's band, which we we quickly find out. Like any any musician, like you know, I've I've had that before. Like you're playing, and then it's like, oh, why'd you stop? And, and you start playing again because it's like, oh, you want me to keep going. So it's really turning that kind of the expected answer is like, you know, why'd you stop? You're like, well, because obviously you are here, and do you want to talk to me? No, uh, you asked me why I've stopped, so you must want to listen to more. Um, so, you know, the that's the accepted dialogue that usually people have with that. So it certainly undermined the that kind of aspect of, you know, musician, listener. Yeah. But it does quickly build about, you know, they all want to be part of Fletcher's class. Like that's the thing. Like they, you know, they're talking about it in that first rehearsal. Where you could, they sort of see that shadow by the door and, oh, okay. Oh, hang on. Is it maybe it, is it him? Is it him? And they go, nah. Oh, not him. Don't worry about it, sort of thing. There, so there must be some sort of secret going on, like what? you know, as because like you know, clearly psychologically abuses his students, like, and this is where it, like it, it lacks reality. Like you know, if you've got different bands, it's like you know, oh Fletcher, you know, oh his best band, oh yeah, but like you know, terrible time. Go to this guy's, you know, he'll get you there a bit longer, but you're gonna have a nicer time of it. Yeah, like, who would put yeah. themselves through that? I know it's, but I guess it's all about. Getting you to be your best, I guess that's well. That's what, as we later find out, that's what he wants to do. But the the insults in this movie just come quick and fast. Like when he walks into Andrew's the Andrew's class, which is obviously the one of the secondary uh, classes at the school, not obviously Fletcher's number one class. Mm. And like he's going through and he's going, all right, you try, you play. I just want to hear, you know, the trombones and the trumpet, the trumpets and the trumpets play. No, uh, thanks. Yep, yep. Go to the trombone. Bike hits the. Hits the music. No, nah, don't worry about it. You're, you're good. And then he gets to the saxophones and he does the first two. Yeah, not bad, not bad. And then he goes to the girl and he goes, oh, let's see, are you in number one chair because you're good or if you just because you're cute? And she starts playing and hits a bong note and he goes, yeah, that, that's it. You just It's it's just because you're cute. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, like he mm. doesn't waste any time um, at all. And then, yeah, and then obviously we see Andrew make it into the main class and then the berating really starts. And it's not just it's not just the drummer then like that poor trombone player who supposedly yeah. thinks he's playing out of tune but he's actually not gets absolutely smashed. Like, mm. And I think you know probably in the past as as you know 
as either work work colleague or you know being at work or at school you there is times where you do cop that from a teacher and it is the worst possible place you can be really is, yeah i mean as a teacher I, I don't usually dish out that sort of stuff <laughs> oh no and i think a lot yeah. of that's that's probably changed these days i would i would hope you would hope that it has but i think when we were going through school that was probably not necessarily that uncommon hmm don't know. I, like I, the, I could uh, actually um, think of a PE teacher or two who might have been a little bit, I mean, probably not this extreme, but a little bit shouty and uh, physical at times as well, actually. <laughs> oh, mm. shit. Well, I went through the Army Reserve. Uh, so we did our initial, when we did our initial employment training or our when we had to do recruit course, we got yelled at a lot. And that's it's it sort of felt very much like that. And the Army is that, that they will basically yell at you and break you down and then they rebuild you. So, yeah, in there, how they want you to do so that when shit goes wrong, you're so well trained that you it's just an instinct. It's not a, a, a conscious thought necessarily. So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, keep going with the talk, <laughs> um, After a gruelling five-hour practice session with Tanner and Connolly on Caravan, um, in which Fletcher demands them to play at the fastest possible tempo, Andrew earns back the core position. <clears throat> um, on the way to the next competition, Andrew's bus breaks down. He rents a car but arrives late and forgets his sticks at the rental office. <clears throat> After convincing an impatient Fletcher to wait for him, Andrew races back and retrieves them, but is hit by a truck on the way back. Andrew crawls from the wreckage and runs to the theatre, arriving with a face covered in blood and a ripped suit just as the ensemble enters the stage. Heavily injured, he struggles to play Caravan and Fletcher halts the performance to dismiss him from the band. Enraged, Andrew attacks Fletcher on stage but is pulled away by security and expelled from Schaefer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Can we touch harsh. I mean, the bloke literally got into a car crash and still made it on time. <laughs> And was yeah. prepared to play. That was a stressful. It was probably concussed too, and and uh, that's why he couldn't hold his rhythm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like give the bloke a break. Like he's had a fair crack at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what just shows that, like, you know, why Fletcher is an asshole. Because Fletcher is an asshole. Um, <clears throat> at his father's request, Andrew meets a lawyer representing the parents of Sean Casey, a former student of Fletcher's. Uh, though Fletcher had claimed Casey died in a car accident, he had actually had hanged himself due to. Uh, depression and anxiety caused by Fletcher's, Fletcher's abuse. <clears throat> Casey's parents want Fletcher held accountable and Andrew agrees to testify anonymously, leading Schaefer to terminate Fletcher. Months later, Andrew encounters Fletcher playing a piano at a jazz club. Over a drink, Fletcher admits his teaching methods were harsh but argues they were necessary to motivate his students to become successful, citing Charlie Parker's rise to fame as an example. He invites Andrew to perform with his band at the JVC Jazz Festival, assuring him that the songs will be the same ones played by the studio band. Andrew hesitantly accepts. Uh, Andrew calls Nicole to invite her to the performance, but finds out she is in a new relationship. Oh, duh. And um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was so so glad that she was too, because you can't. I was like, if she just drops everything and says yes, I'll be like, that no, was great that she was moved on. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. <clears throat> um, on the stage at JVC before the first piece Fletcher reveals that he knows Andrew testified against him as revenge Fletcher leads the band into a song Andrew does not know and does not have the sheet music to play 
After a disastrous performance, Andrew walks off stage humiliated, but returns and... Oh, wait. Uh, uh, this is Mr. Bit, but this is where there's, like, really important people in the audience, like, mm. that can make or break your whole career in this one performance. Yep. Um, yeah, this is where you could go on to bigger and better things if they... And so if they this like was it. the... I mean, he's verbally abusive and physically abusive, but this is probably the worst thing he did, like putting him in front of those people and and just, yeah, humiliating him. <clears throat> so um, after... Thought, dis- sorry, oh, just, yeah. I thought the way the... Sorry, Glenn. I thought the way the movie set this up was really well. Like when I first watched this movie, I did not see this turn coming. Like it, it, you honestly felt that you know there was the end. The movie would end on a high note, which I guess it does anyway. But you sort of thought, oh, you know, oh, it certainly ends on a note. Or a beat, after all, I'd say. after all, of this, <laughs> after all of this, like you know, they're they're, they're patching it up, and, and he's going to go, and it it ends happily ever after, sort of thing. And then you get the turn. It's like, oh shit. Because he, um, when they were in the bar, he was like, oh, it'd be one of the other uh, students from his year or from his band, you know, that that testified, you know, because he doesn't know. And then he, before the performance, he's like, I know it was you. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Um, After disastrous performance, he walks off stage humiliated, but returns and cuts off Fletcher's introduction to the next piece by playing the intro to Caravan, cueing the band himself. Initially angered, Fletcher resumes conducting... As the piece finishes, Andrew continues into an extended, unexpected solo. Impressed, Fletcher nods in approval before cueing the finale. And they smile at each other and live happily ever after. Mm. Sociopaths. Um, the end. I mean, this. The, the, well, I mean, the whole for me, the whole end was a little bit contrived in the sense that, like, if it was, it was based in reality, and a prominent, like you know, music teacher at a prominent sort of music college gets fired. And people are like going, why did that happen? Oh, that's because a student of his killed himself. And then other people come out of the woodwork. That guy would not have a job anywhere. Like, there's no way. Like, he would be blackballed. Like, people would go, yeah, this guy's trash. We're like, you know, we can't be seen to support this guy. Because it was right after. It's like, you know, or six, oh, it was a year or something. I don't know. But um, I guess it just goes to show that, you know, you know, people can, you know, that like, yeah, we forgive middle-aged white men for stuff. It's- but um, <clears throat> yeah, I saw that as well. What? This is crap. It's a weird. It's a weird <laughs> ending because in it depends how you can look at it. Like you can look at it as those two characters got what they wanted, basically, and in that way, it's a happy ending. But also, it's not a happy ending because it's rewarding abusive behavior to get what he wanted. Like, so it's mm-hmm. it's actually a mm. got a, a few gray areas, um, which which is you know makes it interesting, I guess. Gray, very dark gray. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Like, it's just like. Did his techniques work? Which is probably a question or something we can discuss later. We can discuss it now. Like, did his techniques end up working? He, I don't think so. <clears throat> well, he, he got the best out of Andrew at the end of the day. But we don't know that. We What we saw is one performance. You know, one performance where, like, you know, after, like, a series of abuse, a year of not playing the drums, um, you know, really screwing over, uh, like, you know, this student, Um you know, and maybe it doesn't. He took control of it. It doesn't matter but if it Andrew, worked or not. Andrew, he perceives that it worked for him. Like he thinks it yeah, worked. Yeah. Um, whether it did or not, not mm. is probably not uh, really the question or, or important. But because I guess it worked Andrew, for Andrew them. Andrew did. Andrew. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Andrew basically did what 
he wanted. He wasn't discouraged. He could have walked away. He could have left it at that point, but instead he come back and he come back like what Buddy Ridge did, come back bigger and better. No, uh, Charlie Parker, who had the uh, symbol thrown at his head, he come back the next year and well played one of the greatest pieces of the, music ever. That's where the fallacy is, though. That that whole kind of that that reasoning behind it, it's a myth. And actually, truth is, there's Charlie Parker, like um, was it the drummer? Was it Charlie Parker's the drummer? No, Buddy Rich was the drummer, I think. Uh, Charlie Parker was no. a saxophonist. Hang on, I've got it down here. Um, uh, drummer Joe Jones indeed threw a cymbal in response to Parker's playing, but he did not throw it a physical attack at Peter. He certainly threw it at the stage floor to signal that Peter should leave the stage. So, like, it plays out that, like, you know, he's throwing the symbol to, like, to decapitate him. Not true. It's actually, it's actually a myth that's, like, you know, presented within that mm-hmm. film. So, you know, it, it's the whole kind of, well, that sort of story is based on this kind of fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but which, and new people are going to believe because, you know, they haven't heard my trivia yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. Hmm. All right, let's go on to the categories, cast and characters. This should be pretty quick, really, because <laughs> as yeah. we said, you know, I mean, outside of Paul Reiser and Melissa Beniste, um, hmm. there, were, there was really only two characters. Indeed. <clears throat> so we might we might just tuck away Melissa Beniste first. Um, look, I thought she was that nice, that sweet moment throughout the movie in what was you know, a pretty rough movie throughout, I thought she was that sort of sweet moment. And then, again, I guess it turns rough because at the end of the day he dumps her because she doesn't really know what she wants and he wants to be great and she's going to hold him back is effectively what it was. So, yeah. Well, that's – that's but that was um, Andrew telling her that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of a thing. Um, I don't know. I think it could have been anybody. Oh, yeah. What do you think, yeah. Glenn? I mean, it's a nothing – it really is a nothing role. She reminded me of um, when I used to go to the cinema back in the uni days and I used to always go up to the same girl selling the choc tops because I had a crush on her. Yeah. Didn't think to do what he had did. Yeah, well, he, he just like asked her out and I was like, oh, that's a thing I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I went wrong. <laughs> oh, you asked people out. That's yeah. a crazy plan. Yeah. <laughs> 20-year-old Glenn or he's not that uh, forward, confident. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame, Glenn. Shame yeah. this didn't come out ten years earlier. You could have who knows where you'd be, Glenn. <laughs> well twenty years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> all right. Uh Paul Reiser. We played Jim Neiman, Andrew's dad. He was fine. It was a yeah. Yeah. There's a warmth there. Yeah. I think that he he creates the warmth and probably the grounding in some ways of the movie, I think. He was one of the few caring, respectful characters throughout, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sorry, Scott. The, I think part of the like the the you know both characters all right, but like you don't get enough of them to really kind of see how he's burnt those bridges. Like you know he, the yeah, he burns the bridge with um uh what's the name uh Melissa's kind of character Nicole Nicole um. But really, of like a month it was like a month. Yeah, it's like hmm. you know, like it, it should have been like if it played out longer and had a bit a bit, bit more intercut where like you know he was kind of you know going on dates mm. and you know maybe you know and that's where like it was actually a developing relationship. But really, it was like 
Yeah, if that was the way you felt, you shouldn't have started it. So maybe we needed a montage because mm-hmm. I always love a montage. Um, mm. So you could have had a montage of him practicing, and then you know, a couple of dates here and there. Maybe I don't know if it would have fit the the pace of the film. No, like probably not. Kind of but editing pace. As you said, like if we could have got more that <clears throat> more cut into it, so you, I guess it builds that when he does <clears throat> end up dumping her, it's a bit more of a a shock. Mm. It does feel like a different film um, when you're away from those two main characters. It feels like a different. It, it's when you're with J.K. and Miles, it's so close and claustrophobic and tight mm. on them and their interactions that when you are out, sorry, in the cinema or in a cafe or whatever, it doesn't feel like the same movie almost. Um, mm. So I think it's good that that was a really short sort of subplot and um, we focused on the main. I don't. I mean, it's interesting. I thought well, you could probably cut it. You could have cut it and, like, you know, it would have mm. made no difference. Yeah, yeah I think maybe, you could have yeah. cut her. Well, I mean, you still the, the brutality the would have been shorter. Yeah, you need the dad, but, like, you know, it was, it was, it was, the, the space was like two scenes between. It was well, you could have just yeah. had him, or, you know, at the beginning, he's got a, he's already got a girlfriend and that's, and that's the one he leaves. Yeah, that would have, that would have characters, established, like, you know? yeah, he's already with someone for a while when he gets into this school and yeah. then, then this takes off and that's when he does it. That would have been probably. Yeah, yeah. Like she could Agreed. have been at the family dinner or something like mm. that. Mm. So you sort of think, oh, these two have been together for a little while, and then it's like, nah, I've got to like high school sweethearts yeah. or something. Mm. Probably, you know, probably would have been more endearing as like, you know, wow, he's actually really making a call there. That yeah, um, would have been more harsh too. Mm. Mm. Yep. All right, so we'll go on to the two main characters. We'll start with Miles Teller, who played Andrew Neiman. For some reason, I don't like this actor very much. I don't know what it is, um, but gosh, he was good. Mm. He was good <laughs> in this. Yeah, I really enjoyed his performance. I just, it was very believable, and obviously, he's practiced the drums and whatnot for the role. But um, gosh, yeah, he was really just that character. He was just committed, I guess, and it just mm. felt like those that blood looked. You know, it felt real. It felt like he was really passionate, and um, I think he was well. To, to leap into some <clears throat> trivia, sorry, Glenn, it was great. Um, <clears throat> That some of that blood was real. Like he actually did practice with blisters, and they got some of the actual blood, his blood on the drums, um, on the drums. And he's been drumming since he was fifteen. Yeah. So actually was a drummer, and had like was getting lessons like four hours a day for three days a week or something. I think, and I think J.K. Simmons was he's quite musical as well. Yep. And um, but I because th- I think there was some controversy. There's controversy about it because it's you know two white characters. You know, you've got this this uh, white drummer in in you know the, this leading jazz group, uh, and a white teacher teaching jazz. And I guess jazz is traditionally that African American style movie, uh, music. So I think there was some controversy of why, you know, is this being whitewashed? But I think it basically um, Damien Chazelle came out and said, "Well, <laughs> I picked them because they can play the instruments. Basically, is that they've got the talent to be able to to bring it to the screen." And also, he was a jazz drummer himself, and he based it basically on some of his own experiences mm-hmm. of having an abusive um, high school experience. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can't really blame him for doing your personal story. Um, yeah. Um, in regards to, I didn't see Miles Teller in anything up until I think I saw um, <clears throat> Top Gun Maverick, and I enjoyed him in that. And then I watched him in this, and it's a completely different role. He's obviously a lot younger, um, but I thought he was awesome. I thought he was a, a really strong performer in this movie. Um, you know, he, the, the dynamic between him and Simmons is essential to making this movie work. 
um Mm. And it was, and he just all those those moments where he sort of feels you can you look at him and he goes, he starts to feel on top of the world, he starts to feel confident, he starts to feel triumphant, and then he gets absolutely smashed down so quickly from um, you know Fletcher. It's just the way he does it, and um, you know just the determination that he he shows throughout and his drumming and stuff was, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was an excellent performance from him. I kind of felt more like Glenn in a sense, like, and I thought, oh, I don't see, like, you know, I haven't seen much of what he's in and what I've seen. He was like, oh, all right. Um, but yeah, no, he does a, a solid job of the of performing the partially unlikable Andrew. All right. And finally, J.K. Simmons, who played Terence Fletcher. He did a super job at playing an arsehole. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just wrote, yeah, he's amazing, and I wrote, what a performance, amazing, and I'm not surprised. He said he won an Oscar, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask that. Um, so yeah, he, it's weird supporting. I mean, <laughs> anyway, um, hmm. how do they decide supporting? Who's supporting. That's, yeah, that's a lot. Well, it? I guess like, I guess of... the character, the, the movie is based around Andrew and his story. So, the protagonist, I suppose. Yeah, he's the main and protagonist. Jade and Simmons Fletcher is the antagonist. The antagonist. So, mm. I mean, but I think they probably would have shared pretty much the same amount of screen time. Uh, I think. Well, Teller would I have read had something more, that, but yeah, he's in every scene. So, versus obviously Fletcher not being in every mm. scene. Yeah, so, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was a. It was challenging to watch, but obviously, like he did a great job. Like he, his job as an actor was amazing. But I hated the character. Yeah, so. yeah, he was amazing. Yes, but obviously the character. I mean, he did a good job. Yeah. So I hated the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm gl- as a teacher, Mark, I'm glad that you said that you didn't look up to this bloke and think that he's a he's a cracking leader and oh, it, it's something like, you need to aspire was, to because um, oh, he was just. It, it was really hard to watch as a teacher and as you know, and like you know, I'm not a great musician, but like I can play. Um, and it, it goes against everything that I, I kind of feel like, you know, it was like, you know, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> it's like, you know, that sort of, you know, the, like the homophobic languages, you know, is, you know, fly, you know, flinging oh, around and, just... um, it's like, you know, you'd, you'd, he would have been like any legitimate school. Um, and that sort of stuff, you know, had got back to, and like kids don't, kids don't actually hold out to that. Like, you know, if they kind of, if they feel like they've been sort of absolutely trashed, they would actually tell someone. Um, and teachers know as well. So how the other teachers haven't told them, like the administration, they've gone, dude's doing this. Um, he'd be fine. He wouldn't have been there that long. So well, you, unless he's... You don't know that yeah. because at the end of the day, he's the main, he's the probably the shining light for, you know, Schaefer, which is the biggest music school in America. So he's probably yeah. producing high quality... Uh, musicians yeah. he's and so from their still, point of view they're going you know what yeah look we know where he's we know some of these students are copying it but they're they're probably happy to to take it because he he's going to take that them would, to that next level and get them to where they want to be so. that would be fine up until the lawsuit that says you know and the headlines that follow like you know fletcher um you know bullies kids until they suicide um well that would have come out know, yeah Schaefer sued for like you know millions of dollars for abuse and stuff like that there are, you know, whilst it might not kind of happen immediately, like these things kind of, like they cycle on. Like, you know, you see education, education departments getting sued for, like, you know, sort of this sort of behaviour. Mm. So there um, are, there are, um, yeah. I watched a 
thing earlier um, about Whiplash and they were comparing him to a basketball coach in the 70s who has had this same style and, and that team had a lot of success while this guy was like choking players on the on the court and just being really abusive and apparently he's looked back as a legend of the game now but at the time he was full-on abusive and this this is the only team I think that's had a um, perfect season all, all no losses um, in the 1970-something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it, if you're getting results, you know, they might just not really They're prepared mind. to wear it. And I think, you know, that's <clears throat> well, especially in the 70s, things were different. Um, mm. I mean, you've only got to look back at the days of, you know, in AFL football, some of the coaches um, mm-hmm. and to how tough they were back in the day, whereas that stuff just doesn't fly mm. these days. Yeah, and, and I guess that's the thing, like, you know, but it wasn't set in the back no, of the 70s is- or the, the 80s. Like, it's set in the 21st century. Mm. Um, and... You know, and, and I get like, you know, maybe that, I don't know how old um, Shazil is and maybe that's the experiences, you know, he has had. Um, but yeah, like, you know, that's kind of, it's got to be the, you know, the most uncommon experiences. Yeah. Now. I guess. I, I assume. I've never seen him high school. <laughs> well, this is based on Shazil's high school experience. So I wonder if that's, you're probably talking early 2000s where this probably still would have happened and being swept under the carpet more than than what it would be today. So I wonder if that's why it sort of worked that way. Um, don't know. There were still phones with you know that record record video. Yeah, but nobody yeah. who who's going to take their phone out and video him? Because I tell you what, if you get found out, imagine what you're going to cop. Yeah, but it would be worth the price though, wouldn't it? You get him fired. So true. But then yeah. are you also? burning then your own career be worth it to burn his uh, I'm, you know that was actually that, the highlight I, for me yeah, yeah i think you'd find a lot of that was a highlight for me when and he's the andrew kind of goes you know yeah tell me what i gotta say i was like good you know dude's gotta go down yeah well that's the thing and in the end andrew didn't want to actually say the words did he hmm. um but no, i thought simmons was incredible i'm glad he won the oscar for this this was a performance that i think would stand will stand the test of time. He's I think he's one of the great movie villains in some ways. You know, he's a he's a person that you can watch and he's just a good actor in everything he's yeah. in, I think. He always is just very good. Um and a potentially a good leaper. I don't I don't know. I haven't looked at anything but <laughs> trying to influence me, Glenn. All right. Uh favorite scene. Hmm. Favorite scene. I look. I had a few. I I love the first time he comes in to pick Andrew and the quick picking of the players and basically just shooting them all down quickly. And as I said before, where he picks the girl and goes, "You just see if because you're good or you're cute." And she plays a bum note. He goes, "Yeah, that's it. That's because you yeah because you're cute." And walks off. And it's just like, oh my god! Like that's your first real introduction to to Fletcher. And I think it it instantly you put it puts you on the back foot. Um. I love it when he asks uh, who's out of tune and then absolutely rips that that younger bloke and, you know, he basically fat shames him the whole time. Um, it's not no, okay. it's not okay. I <laughs> when I say it's my favourite scene, it's just it's one of those scenes I think that just stuck in my mind like it was just, my God. And when I watched it the second and third time again, it's just it's a gripping scene. You can't look away, like even though it's absolutely brutal, you can't look away. I like the nice little meet-cute between Andrew and Nicole. <clears throat> at the pizza store, you know, when they sort of first start falling for each other. But I think at, 
end of the day, the, the best scene in this movie to me, it's the end. Um, and it's a just reward and it's, you know, it's so well done. You get that turn. Like it's a big sequence. It's a big scene. But you get that turn. You think he's going in again. You look at him, he's triumphant. He's happy and he's going, yes, you know, I think I've, Andrew actually, Andrew actually respects me. Oh, sorry, uh, Fletcher actually respects me, and then I know it was you. And then walks off, and he goes, "Oh yeah, we're going to do a couple of old classics, but first we're going to do this one." And you're like, going, "Oh shit!" And he's looking; he can't see the music, he doesn't have it, and he just starts playing randomly. And you're like, going, "Oh, this is just you feel for him. He's so embarrassed. This is embarrassing to watch." And then he goes, and he comes back, and he tears it up. It's, it's, yeah. I just thought it was really well done. And you, it does, you, it just you leave the movie on a high in the end, and yeah, it's almost sports movie esque in some ways. Like we talk about, like mm. we did, we are Marshall, and yeah, you know, the Rocky movies and all those things that I absolutely adore. Like it's sort of very similar in that vein that yeah, you but get that final. Those films leave you feeling What's better. <laughs> they leave you feeling what better. Is- like there's an actually kind of a you know a triumphant arc. Like you know, and it's kind of we've all come together as a team. This was just I. I'm surprised it left. Well, at, at the end yeah. of the day, he he succeeded. <laughs> yeah, so it's it is he he succeeded so did, in the final. But so did Fletcher. Well, true. Mm. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, Glenn, Michael, your favourite scene. Favorite. <laughs> My favourite scene was when he got his comeuppance. Even that wasn't good enough. <laughs> yep. So, like, you know, tell me what I got to say. Yep, he's not. He's not there anymore. Good. Favorite scene done. <laughs> um, mine was obviously the ending as well. The whole sequence, um, <clears throat> playing that that show from the moment when he said, "I know it was you," um, right through to the end was just grip, very gripping. Um, but <clears throat> the one I wanted to talk about, which was probably my other favorite, is just not because I enjoyed it, but just because it was so good um just the stress of him trying to make it on time oh, um the- by five o'clock and the bus uh the bus doesn't make it and he hires the car forgets his sticks rushes back and it's just the stress it's like you're really on the you know you're really like yeah. oh my god come on you're really invested in this in this character and this moment and you really want him to be there get there on time and then that accident <laughs> that comes crazy. out of nowhere that's a great car and, uh, crash yeah. from a, in a movie like it is <laughs> It's it comes yeah. out you don't expect it and then unexpected shit yeah jeez it would have been more interesting if we went a million dollar baby kind of moment there it's <laughs> 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 different movie just <laughs> imagine that you know? <laughs> well that's what a million dollar baby does though doesn't it like you know it's like you know it's like you know all this boxing boxing and then it's like the reason you know, why we don't get many of those moments that was a horrific moment in any movie and brought down what was that by that point a really good sports <laughs> movie and then it turned it into just an absolute. Mm. Oh, look, it's a gripping movie and it's very well acted and very well made. It's still the single most depressing sports movie I've ever seen in my life and I've watched a lot of sports movies. Uh, Anyway, that was my favourite. Other enjoyable (laughs) aspects. The, I think like the, um, what I did like about this film um, was its use of cuts and close-ups um, to, like, mm. you know, highlight the performances of the bands. Um, that, I think, was really well done. The You know, it, it plays with, like, um, you, know, it, you know, some extreme close-ups and close-ups and odd angles. Um, and, you know, 
we we go to see our favorite bands at, you know as a live experience but as a film you know if you put a if you're viewing it as a as a person you know a long shot of a band for like you know five minutes while they perform stuff is not very exciting so the fact that they've kind of like you know as it's going it's going into you know we're close up to the of the trombone where you know we're yeah. hitting the like you know hits of the drum um that makes that sort of that made the film interesting and you know they could yeah. carry on watching for those aspects um and I, I think in overall the editing is quite tight. I think that's quite nice, and you know it had a what well, did really win good turnaround uh, the Oscar um, for best film editing and best sound mixing. Well, mm. there you go. Um, yeah, and it shows. Um, and yeah, like it was kind of it was tight. It was good. Like you know, I, I how it was edited was like was really good. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, they're my thoughts. Um, thought the story was mm. you know you said it earlier it's got brutal. And it was a challenge to watch. I think even more challenging than uh, a promising young woman. Like it's kind of. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's me. Yeah, I just I just had the shots and the editing was amazing, and uh, especially during the music sequences. So pretty much what Michael said, um, the shots, mm. editing, and just the the close the the, f- the close up, you know, just being really in close with those two characters um, and just feeling it. Like just feeling it, like you're part of the you're there, part of the action, and um, yeah, yeah. I think what you said mm. earlier, Glenn, how it's claustrophobic. Yes, that was kind of yeah, that was. Which well, because you you never out of the close proximity of these two characters, like it, it, you never sort of feel like you never really mm. get that release except those few moments with the dad, um, you know, the the dinner table and and the times that he's with Nicole. Other than that, it's just between it, it just this complete antagonism between the two. Um, oh look! I'll continue on. Uh, mm. yeah, editing was incredible, as you said, Michael. Yeah. I know it's. It, it, we said it's that. Hard. I mean, it, <laughs> no, it won an Oscar on. for a reason. Um, and this film is just so well put together; it's incredible. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the music. I'm not a big jazz person myself, but I actually really enjoyed the music throughout. Um, and I, well, yeah, they kept got a bit repetitive. Um, <laughs> but I, and just some of the sledges. Throughout this, I think they're just they're, some of them are just completely elite, and they're just delivered perfectly by Simmons. As we we praised his performance before, but he was mm. like when the poor bloke, when that poor yeah, he wasn't even that fat, and he was looking down. He goes, "What are you fucking looking down there for, mate? There's not a Mars bar down there." And yeah, you know, basically he's telling him to you know, I don't want you to fuck up my performance because you're thinking about a Happy Meal. It's like, oh my gosh, shit! What did he say? He goes, "Oh, don't." Yeah, it's not, it's not your boyfriend. Don't come early or something like that. It's like, what the? F- who is this boy? <laughs> like, um, and there's just those are smattered throughout, and it's just yeah, some re- it was really well written, uh, and just made this character just a- an incredible villain that it's hard to even get anywhere near liking him as a as a character. And I thought his performance was excellent. So, yeah, uh, questions, queries, tidbits. How did Fletcher maintain his job? That's the, I mean, that is the question for well, the Well, I, th- I think, look, yeah. Results. And, Results. And at the end of the day, when you're a big American yeah. school but, that's probably weighing on funding and everything else, that's what they'll care about. You know. Yeah. But that's, I mean, this is the, it's a funny thing, right? Like it, you, you watch the film and it's like, you know, yeah, these musicians, jazz. Jazz is not, like, you know, it is not the big thing in music. Um. You know, it's not a, 
you know, like it's it's really interesting because it's like this tight little world where it's really important, but it's not. Like, you know, man, you can get a drumming job anywhere else in any other thing. It's like go go be in a rock band somewhere. You'll make way more money and not have to worry about rushing or I mean, I think drag. there's actually <laughs> sort of newspaper clipping or something like that that basically says, you know, um, you know, work hard, do well, otherwise you can go and just perform in a rock band. So there's that sort of sledge um obviously from a, a jazz musician so that's well yeah. look, rock band all the way more my style of music but <laughs> you know i think that's the thing at the end of the day I, I have a feeling that these schools will sweep this stuff under the carpet simply because he is getting results so that's why he's still got a job hmm. yep I had, I had another question so in the um yeah when he was the slap scene right He's counting four four, and they're doing. I think they're doing whiplash. Were they doing whiplash? Was it caravan? I don't know. Whiplash. Anyway, yeah, it's whiplash. Whiplash is in seven four. Like it's you, you wouldn't count one two three four. Like you'd kind of count. Well, I assume I think you'd count differently. Um, yeah, so it's kind of in a different. But it's his tempo. Time signature. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's his. It's it. what it's the tempo <laughs> that he wants. And it's yeah, all about I don't what, <laughs> what Fletcher wants. Yeah. Any others? Hmm. So, no, that's that's all my questions. When he asks the girl out at the cinema, like, there's no one else there. It's weird. Like, uh, cinemas aren't that quiet. Like, it was just her and him, and it was like it was closed, which is very convenient for making a movie there, but um, there'd be other people around coming and going. Maybe it's in yeah, between shows. Stuff queuing up. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Yeah, 3. Well, 3. the budget 3. was yeah. 3.9 million. Yeah, so that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, but that was just a bit, took me out of it a little bit because I was like, it can't be that empty. Anyway, um, even yeah. a second staff member would be hovering around. Anyway, um, <clears throat> this was my main question uh, about Fletcher. Why is this guy such a jerk? Because I wrote this because um, early on, um, and I wrote that I thought there would uh, be a backstory or explanation, but there never was. So I was just a bit... Yeah. At the beginning, I was like, okay, surely there's a backstory or there's something about this character that's made him this way, but it never really tells you well, why think, he's just a, just a jerk. And look, if you don't mind me following on with that, Glenn, he's such a jerk. And then he gets upset at the, like a former student dying, and he was probably told they were hung. Um, why is he crying? Is he crying because the genuine loss of a human? Or is he crying because this was someone talented that I taught who is not going to make it now? You know, it's like well, man, I think he, he does jerk. actually explain it. It's not a backstory, yeah. but you do actually. He in the Will bar scene with death? Andrew, they're talking about about you know why he is what he is, and why he's like what he's like, what he's like, and he again, re, re, you know, re, tells the the Charlie Parker story about the symbol, and it which is wrong, but it worked. It worked for the wrong. story, um, and it's again, yep. he wants to create that Charlie Parker. Mm-hmm. So the idea was, is that you know this. Um, Charlie Parker played badly, had a symbol thrown in his head, and instead of sulking and instead of, you know, he could have, as they said, the two worst English, words in the English language are good job. So he could have been said, look, yeah, bad luck, mate. Good job, you tried. But instead he had a symbol thrown at him, and that's what made him go home, practice and practice and practice and practice and get better to the point that he comes back. And I think that's the justification for what he's trying to do. He's trying yeah. to create that next Charlie Parker. And he says that. He goes, I never did it. Yeah, and he doesn't because, you know, the other guy's a psychopath. Um, the 
it's interesting because you say that, like, and he says the worst job, you know, I think is a good job. And that, like, you know, which that kind of says to me, he actually can't teach. He's not a teacher. He's just a musician who's in that job. Because, um, like, you know, if you if he was actually possibly giving feedback and going, look, you know, I really like you doing here, Andrew, uh, but you probably need to work on this sort of timing. That it should go, like, you know, so you, this is where you are dragging. Um, you know, he's not teaching. He's just yelling at people. And that's fundamental to where he falls down. Like, you know, he's never going to get a, you know, uh, a Charlie yep. Parker or whatever by yelling at someone. Like, that's not how actual feedback and coaching and teaching works. Like, you know, you don't get brilliance by kind of, you know, yelling at people and then they go around doing a job. If I yelled at students for doing a bad job at science, I would knock anyone going on to study science. Like, you know, the it, it, wouldn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't actually kind of work as a function. Maybe it works as a small percentage of people. Um, but... You know, you, yeah, it's not people. You know, you you read about all kind of these, you know, abusive bosses and abusive people. Like it, it never leads well. Like no, but his justification like, would be that only a small number yeah. achieve the greatness of a Charlie Parker or a Buddy Rich, or and that that's why he's doing it. Yeah, to basically push them to the point that they continue and to his, improve and improve, so they are they are perfect. Yeah. But well, you don't improve gave, without feedback. feedback. And he wasn't just given it. Not so. in a uh, positive or proactive, not well, certainly proactive, but in a positive manner. Mm. Hmm. Yep. Bad teacher. Like a like a more like an AFL coach, just drop him, drop the player to yeah. go play in the twos for a few weeks to get better. Any others, Glenn? <laughs> uh yeah, I think I had one more. Well, that's one of oh, my yeah, questions. We're going to ask. I'll ask that now. Did Andrew lose the folder on purpose to get the spot in the band? No. Or did Fletcher like see it and and yeah. take it? I don't know. Fletcher took it because he said, "I don't want to see these laying around." And then, he but there wasn't was that like, much of these guys. time where mm. Andrew had left it. So I'm wondering, did he did he do something no, with he, it, like it was- so that then he can get that spot? I mean, like, it, the, I guess that's a potential. You could go either way, but I reckon you took it. And but the, the, it comes back to the fact that, like, um, Fletcher was right in the instance that um, Carl Tanner, like on Nate yeah. Lang, yeah. should have been looking after his own shit. Just like, you don't give. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I gave it to you. Yeah. I gave it to you to look after, not your the second or the first old or whatever it was. Like, you know, your job, you yep. look after it. I've got another question. So when he's running late, his bus breaks down, he goes to the car hire place, he, they're closing, and he's like, oh, no, let me in, I just want to I'll be real quick. And he hires a car, and he goes off. But when he rushes back, doors open, sticks are right there, no problem at all. If they were closing, they would have been locked mm. up, probably not even there. So that was a bit of a... How did he Ooh. just go in and grab his sticks that quick? Because it's a quick cut. Well, that's, that's, that's a good question. question. He's going to go to jail anyway. But, um, that, that, yeah, it's a good point, Glenn. They would have been closed. Yeah. They would have been gone. Yeah, mm. I've got a couple of other, anyway. others. Uh, yes. Was it just was it just the uh, the drummers that copped abuse? I mean, we did see that the there was someone out of tune and they copped it, and the bloke got sent packing. Um, and a bit he he was in tune. Well, was that's the, the thing, and they kept in. Um, <laughs> and was he just Fletcher abused really him for no reason? By Tanner that he needed to bring in another drummer. I mean, it's part of the story. I don't know. But, um, like, probably the big one for me, 
Um, would Fletcher have really stuffed, stuffed up his performance at the JDVC just to embarrass Andrew? Because like, remember, this is also him. He's chosen this band. Would he would he put his name to a to a failing performance, which is what it's going to be, just to embarrass someone? Well, I mean, he's clearly a sociopath, so potentially yes. Like you know, the probably doesn't have the same risk, but you know, maybe was it, you know was mm. he also thinking this is how I'm going to get my Charlie Parker? Yep. Because the dude is a. Uh, and lastly, did they become individual. friends or equals after this? Well, don't know. It's an unanswerable question. I realise that. <laughs> I'm just wondering because you can uh, see that he finally Andrew yeah. finally got that respect. He finally got that recognition. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, you should I let him mean, off. He, what he I hope for. smiled back at him, and when he's playing the drums, he smiles back at him. And I'm like, don't give him that. Like, he doesn't deserve that. Yeah, I kind of want him to get up and then punch him. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was actually. Oh, sorry, that was another one of my highlights. Is when he actually leaps across the drunk <laughs> and like drags Fletcher to the ground and starts beating on him. That would, I wish right. that fight went on a bit longer. Yeah, you did, Michael. Very bitter. Really uh, Michael, <laughs> over to you for <laughs> trivia. Yep. Yep. For the trivia. Um, so the film was shot in 19 days, uh, and nearly after, and a nearly a full day was dedicated to a scene in Fletcher's office that was cut from the final movie. Um, but, uh, Chazelle believes that that scene ultimately helped with Miles Teller's and JK Simmons chemistry. Um, Chazelle couldn't get funding for the movie, so he made it turn into a short and submitted to the Sundance and the film ended up winning the short, uh, film jury award and he got funding soon after. Um, for the slapping scene, J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller filmed several takes with uh, Simmons only miming, uh, where was I? Uh, miming the slap. The final take, uh, Simmons and Teller decide to film the scene with a real genuine mm. slap. This is the take that mm. is in the film. Yeah. Hmm. Method acting. Uh, during the more intense practice scenes, the director wouldn't yell cut, so Miles Teller would keep drumming until he exhausted himself. Uh, J.K. Simmons stated his character Fletcher, calling Andrew a self-righteous prick, was the only line he improvised. Simmons won 47 yeah. awards oh, well, for his well, role as Fletcher. Um, people, people, I mean, people are just suckers for punishment, I think. Like, you know, you, there were some comments I read that's like, you know, yeah, I want J.K. Simmons to abuse me like that. Maybe I'll do better. It's like, man, you messed up. Um... The film is the lowest gro- one of the lowest grossing movies ever to be nominated for Academy Award for Best Picture. Um, although a visual double was used, all of Andrew's drumming was performed by Miles Teller himself to pre-recorded tracks. About 40% of Teller's drumming was used in the soundtrack. Uh, Miles Teller, who has played the drums since he was 15, received blisters, blisters on his hands due to vigorous, unconventional style of dr- jazz drumming. Some of his blood was on the drumsticks and the drum set as a result. Hmm. Um, J.K. Simmons has played the piano in the past and had to retake lessons for the role. Uh, early in the film, Andrew listens to a CD of Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich was a drummer infamous for his short temper and he would regularly berate and verbally abuse his bandmates for what he considered inferior musicianship. This foreshadows Fletcher's abusive treatment of his students. Uh, Nate Langkarl is an accomplished drummer and trained Miles Teller and Austin Stowell for their roles. Um, 
Austin Stonewall actually had no drumming experience and had only a month to prepare for his role by learning three songs on the drums. Uh, the film was shot and edited and submitted into the Sundance in okay. 10 weeks. Um, yeah. Uh, part of the film is based on director-writer Chazelle's experience as a band student in high school in Q&A after screening. Chazelle always stated he was intimidated by his band instructor's presence. So I wonder if it was just like, you know, he's just an intimidating man. Like, you know, and it's like, oh God, this guy scares me. Now I'm going to write this whole film about it. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't abusive. Um, Simmons actually has his own musical background. His mother was a middle school music teacher. His father was a director of musical department at University of Montana where J.K. himself earned a music degree. Um, you can hear the voice of Chazelle screaming Tanner when Carl Tanner is arguing with Andrew about the loss of the music folder. Um, the screenplay for this film was featured in tw- uh, the 2012 Blacklist, a list of most liked unmade scripts of the year. Um, Fletcher is never directly addressed by name until almost an hour into the film. Uh, I said that about Charlie Parker, but yeah, the um, jazz historians have said that the cymbal throwing was not as a response to the performance as Fletcher says, but because the older musicians disapproved of the fast improvisations Parker was playing that became his trademark. Um, so yeah, so he was actually, he was just kind of, he was good then. Um, Damien Chazelle actually got into a car accident halfway through filming. Um... And in real life, yeah, you said that in a sec. Um, one last one. I've got one. Oh, and included. Oh, I've got included among the thousand and one movies you Dick. must see before you die. I wouldn't have made my thousand and one, but go, Glenn. Um, another trivia for anyone interested: the short film that it's based on is on YouTube, um, so very easy to find mm. if you wanted to check out the short film. It's seventeen mm. minutes long. It's uh, nowhere near as good as this movie, and it's basically the scene. Where he abu- uh, the rushing and dragging and the abusing the trom- the trombone player for being out of tune. Um, Different actors. And it's J.K. No, it's J.K. But mm. not Miles. J.K. Yeah. Hmm. Um. <laughs> this film was used for Weird Al Yankovic's upcoming mandatory fun tour. J.K. Simmons was also in the trailer. All right. Beautiful. <laughs> all right. All right final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate out of ten. Ten being a fantastic film. Zero being a terrible film, film, and five being somewhere in between. Glenn, I will leave you to last as you chose this movie. Uh, Michael, I'll go first. So I think I first, when I first watched this movie, I think I rated it a seven. Mm-hmm. I've since watched it twice more. I watched it obviously last week, which we weren't able to record. Thankfully, we've got some up the bank, up, uh, banked up behind us, so that's good. So we can keep them coming out each week. Um, and I watched it again tonight. So I've, it was fresh in my mind, um, and it's actually gone up. I've give, rated this movie a seven and a half. Um, it's really well made. It's really well acted. So sevens again. <laughs> uh, it's really well acted. It's a movie that keeps you engaged all the time. It's a brutal watch. Uh, it's an uncomfortable watch, but I think it's a movie that enjoyable is not. The word, but I think it's it's it is a really good movie to watch. Yes, it's hard, but I think it as I said, it was so well made and well acted. I think it's it's definitely worth the watch. So for me, it's a seven and a half. It's only half a point more than uh, you got. Yep. You gave me Both very uncomfortable watches. Uh, Michael, <laughs> over to you. <laughs> uh, 
Um, this this film was challenging to watch, and I was very uncomfortable the whole time. Um, you know, and I the editing and the camera work. Should have sat down, Michael. Good the... Should have sat down in a chair or something. <laughs> I was sitting down <laughs> okay. in a chair. Uh, it was yeah. <laughs> And it's a comfortable chair, but I was squirming the whole time. I was like, oh, God, um, I don't want to be here. Um, the, you know, like the, the camera work, like, you know, for such a, it's such a simple sort of thing. Like you've got a band and like the spaces are simple and the, you know, the sets are simple. Um, there's nothing, you know, extravagant about where it's set and how it's like, you know, the, the setting behind there's it. There's no colour. Um, yeah, it's not a lot of colour. Um, but it was it was pretty to watch. Like, you know, there were kind of like, you know, the the shot selection and the, you know, like the actual kind of planning around that and the editing was good and the, the quality of the music recording, you know, was great. Um, but ultimately, you know, I can't separate the, you know, my comfort as a viewer um, from like, you know, the actual kind of story and like, you know, it, I don't know, it kind of, it's not what I want out of a movie, I guess. So oh, it's a five. So, yeah. All right. Glenn, over to you. Mr. Negative's coming back. Yeah, I struggle. I don't know what to rate this movie because if if I was to score it based on how good it is, it's higher. But if I score it based on if it's my tempo or not, it's not quite my tempo. (laughs) So um, it's hard. So I'm probably, I'm going to say six and a half. Um even though I feel like it does deserve more uh, from the point of view of just enjoying it as a, as a film to sit down and watch it's, it's it does make you anxious and stressed, which is, you know, signs of a good film, but not an enjoyable film in a way. Um, so yeah, for me, six and a half, I was tossing up between seven, six and yep. a half all week, but six and a half. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah you don't take Scotty's score from him. Uh, all right. So with a seven and a half, a five <laughs> and a six and a half, this gives us a total score of 19, which puts it equal third for the season, uh, even with Out of Sight. Obviously, Get Out is our top movie at 25.5, Pulp Fiction th- second on 22. Out of Sight and Whiplash even in third on 19. Total Recall is currently the lowest ranked movie on 18 out of our five. Uh, socials, obviously, we can be found on all major um uh, podcast networks, uh, Spotify, Audible, Apple, Google, all those. Uh, obviously, you can find all of our uh, scores, ratings, and, of course, you can listen to all of our pods from our fantastic website, cinematicleap.com. We are on Twitter, or X as it's now known, at Cinematic Leap is our handle. On Facebook, just search for Cinematic Leap. We do ask that you rate and share our uh, our show uh, we'd love more people to listen and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. Hopefully you do. Uh, we did. Yes, we've we, had a we've got a small place. milestone so, recently. Uh, that was exciting. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously nice to get that before we start season three. So, yeah, really well done. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's only onwards and upwards. It's only more plays from here. They can't take right. those away from uh, us. Now, Michael, it's time for our... <laughs> Cinematic Leap. All right. So, Glenn, you get to sit this one out. Uh, Michael, you get to choose The Leaper, and it's up to me to pick next movie. So I'm curious to know where you're going to go. Well, it's actually an interesting one because um, uh, I'm not going with, with Miles Teller. 
um, or JK. But that's fair enough. Um, and I get, can we talk about um, can we talk about quickly before we pick a leaper about during the week one of our uh, our biggest one fans, of our yeah, loyal listeners. Yep, I'd say our second biggest fan after my cat Stanley, <laughs> or maybe our biggest. Probably. Um, I uh, I like the idea of uh, justifying your leaper, um, giving us a reason uh, you're leaping with them based on how they shaped this film or uh, something you want to see more from them in another film. Um, I love that idea, and hopefully we, we can might, do that. We might test it, <laughs> although Michael is very hesitant to those rules. We might, we might so. test that now. <laughs> I reckon. Uh, that was Pete Kelly, who's a long-time <laughs> mm. fan. Yep. So we very much appreciate your listenership, Pete. Indeed. Um, okay, so uh, now this is an interesting one. I'm going. Uh, the person I'm picking uh, is a crew member um, and will have influenced the actual film because, you know, uh, did it win an Oscar for sound? Yes. Yes. Uh, sound mixing. Sound mixing. Well... Um, you know, and you can't get, you know, there's a sound team and, um, I'm going with, uh, oh, hang on. I don't know what she actually do on this film. There's a, there's a role here. Hang on. I'll find it. Uh, oh, it just says sound. It's Dawn Finter. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. So I'm going with Dawn Finter. Um, and she has some, you know, some great films under I, her belt. I, I say yes, but I look at the movies that she's, uh, she's done um, and yeah, I, I honestly don't know what to pick. Well, I was quietly hoping. I mean, there's like you know, iRobot, which is a, a classic. Red Sparrow, which I really enjoyed. Yes, um, yes you could good. really kind of take us on a journey with Magic Mike, XXL. <laughs> yeah, no. I do love her. I do love a magician. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. There's a big variety of films there, so. There is. Look. Oh, Amazing Grace. That was a a solid film. It's very drama, but classic. It does get us to the Oceans movies, which I've Mm, always wanted to do. I thought you'd like that. So I'm very tempted. I love the movie The Big Short. I think that's a fascinating watch. Um, Is the spy who dumped me any good? (laughs) I don't know. I don't recall, actually. We're probably not going to find out. There's a movie there, uh, (laughs) Crawl. Which is uh, a, a horror movie about alligators, which um, has intrigued me and I'm keen to watch, but I can't find it on streaming, so I haven't watched it yet. So we might avoid that. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is a but very. There's good a movie, movie that I've been wanting to way. get to just because I think it's going to be a fascinating. I hope it's a fascinating chat, and it's a movie that's got a heap of people to leap from. Um, and we're going to go Contagion. Ooh, I was worried for a second you're going to Solaris. I go, no, that film is terrible. Um, Contagion, that sounds interesting. So it's having just come through the pandemic, <clears throat> and this was this the movie was made in... 2011. 2011, uh, Steve Soderbergh movie. So, yeah, this was done, yeah, shit, what's that, 10 years, eight years prior, um, and it's it's kind of frightening. So it's I'm looking forward to the, the conversation. Mm. On that, so well, I mean, there's there's got to be some drama there, isn't it? Like you know, we're having. I think it'll be interesting for me, like post actual living through a pandemic, um, where you go, oh, we actually saw what happened when you know that happened, and government, what governments did on a global level, um, yeah. and various levels. Um, you, I, I'm wondering if you go back and you watch it, and it's like, ha, you got that wrong, oh, that was dumb, um, or it's, hey, we crushed that. All I'll, all I'll say is, is it's 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 frightening, um. Mm. 
And look, plus you add to that, then you've got the cast. You've got Matt Damon, Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, Kate Winslet, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Brian Cranston, Elliot Gould. Um, yeah, the list goes on. There's a heap mm. of people in this that are just excellent. Marion Cotillard. Have you I not seen this, Michael? Seen oh, or I might have seen parts of it. I don't know. Oh. So yeah, so that's where we're going next. So Contained. thanks everyone for listening. Uh, next time you will be listening to us, we will be reviewing the movie Contagion. Uh, yeah, thanks again and look forward to speaking to you next time. Thanks. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. Ah! In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap. And we're out. That's okay, I can... No, that's right. It's easy to get around.